So our next guest began his career in the tax and audit environment back in 1998 and as an audit manager working for some of SA's most renowned companies. He went on to become a financial analyst for EDS, then the world's second largest IT service company, and later the financial manager for Stanabank's provisional and branch operations. At the end of 2004, he had become the financial director for Romatis Group, the operation known as the leading manufacturer of equipment for the producers of paper and pulp, Sappy, Mondi and PG Bison. And in 2010, he was approached by his current partner to take equity in Polyflex, where he resides today. Polyflex manufactures a variety of polyurethane components and have supplied over 2 million bushes into the truck and trailer industry. Welcome, Rob. How's it, Rob? Yeah, hey, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Rob, thank you again, and uh, thank you for the intro, Tammy. Rob, if you don't mind, just for the layman's person out there, uh, what does Polyflex do? Well, basically, we we are producers of uh, components uh, using industrial plastics and specifically polyurethane, which is a high-performance elastomer, uh, offering many of the properties that rubber does, but just far better. And in many applications, actually will outperform steel in a lot of them. And, and just a phenomenal material with so many great, great applications. And uh, we manufacture a wide range of uh, components very much from uh, custom-made items to, you know, to meet a customer-specific needs, right up to production items where we are, the, you know, the, the, the original equipment suppliers to, uh, um, you know, original equipment guys like Hendra Fruoff trailers, Afro trailers, but then we go into uh, pump components and that sort of thing. So we're looking at international pump guys like KSB, um, aeronautics. So we've got a wide range of, of industries that we service with a variety of products, but all in essence made from, from the same type of material. Yeah, I think that's what interests us about your business um, uh, is because, yes, it's pr- yes, specific product focus, but you're actually, you know, you're a factory. Uh, you're an engineering company um, and anything to do with those materials, you basically can mold, shape and make um, and be in a position to supply it. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. And 1981, Rob, so you guys have been doing this for a long time. Um, obviously, your business still standing in, in, in 2020, it's uh, credibility on its own. Um, tell us a little bit about Polyflex um, and what's the future look like and what's it currently looking like in business and under the current landscape we find ourselves in? Well, look, I think in recent years, business has been tough. Um, you know, I think that uh, the internet has opened the world up to uh, supply of product. And uh, so it's so much easier to just go on Google something and overnight, you know, you've purchased it on your credit card and the thing arrives on your on your desk the following day. And it really has, but it's created a lot of competition. Um and so I think you've got to be, you know, you've got to be working very cleverly. Um, it does make business tougher. Um, you are up against a lot of the time a cheap and inferior quality product that you've got to try and promote or promote your product that much more. Um, but business has been tough, but we've worked through it. We've uh, got a really solid customer base where the guys are very dependent on high performance, high quality items. And where you're looking at original equipment guys, they can't afford to be putting a product out that may have a component or components in it that 
could be inferior because they're sitting with potential warranty claims. And you think of the trailer manufacturers. I mean, you can't have a guy sitting with a with a brand new trailer with a few million rand on the back of the trailer stra- stranded in uh, the middle of the DRC or something. I mean, it's just, you know, it just isn't something that's going to work. So the guys have got to be looking for good quality. And we've been we've been uh, very blessed with a lot of work uh, from that side. Um, going, you know, coming into this uh, this period that we're in now. I mean, it was. I mean, there was so much uncertainty. I mean, I sat down trying to forecast and actually it was, you know, I just, I couldn't work on, on, on norms and uh, seasons and that type of thing that you would normally work on. I just literally had to, you know, had to set a target and go for it. And uh, we came into, into, uh, well, came out of lockdown into this period and we have been so busy. Um, I've got uh, work coming in from from all different angles. Uh, a lot of my guys overseas, um, so it's not just local interest but foreign interest. And we, at the moment, are extremely busy. So I'm hugely grateful for that. And uh, so you're dealing with another set of problems now. I was trying to get everything out, but it's, I'd rather be having that than dealing with a situation where you don't know where to find work. Oh, absolutely. And and, and you know, it's part of the reason we wanted you we wanted you to come onto our podcast and and speak a little bit because. Again, you're one of those companies that supply, and I just want to give people a bit of reference. Now, firstly, I understand that this product is not uh, something we deal with on a daily basis. In fact, it's something you never see, um, and it's only something the technicians and the and people in the industry really deal with on a day-to-day yeah. basis. But here's a product. It's the difference between 30,000 kilometers and up to 250,000, so almost 220,000 kilometers longer. Okay, that's sure. how longer your product lasts. Plus, we spoke to installers, and they said the way that your product fits um, on the suspension, um, wh- whichever application they do it on, it's so easy to fit uh, versus a foreigner product uh, that you have to cut and maintain to put in there that it saves hundreds of thousands of rands on the front line on a daily basis in a day-to-day yeah. shop. And that's why your product is actually a very sexy product because your engineering company started uh, playing with this material, then started making products within the space. It then outlasts competitors by miles. Plus, there's a fantastic after-sale care and you back up everything that you put into the market. And this is literally from the industry people using your product feedback to your business and why we wanted you on the show. Look, absolutely. Um you know, this is this is really where you know where we where we came aboard. I think you know my my business partner originally started the business uh, in the eighties. You know, during a time that we were subjected to sanctions, where it was very difficult to get product into the country and it was very expensive. Um, so he saw the gap there around the hydraulic sealing uh, hydraulic sealing items. And he did very well out of that. Um, but, you know, over the years, obviously, we moved into the, uh, you know, the current era that we're in. And uh, I suppose, you you know, you were looking at the markets then opening up to us and everything just flooded in. And I think just the world has grown. The economies have just grown at, 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 at huge rates. And I think the big opportunity came in in transport. I mean, if you look at how well an economy is performing, you'll generally see it as to how busy their transport routes are. Absolutely. Yeah. And what we, obviously, in South Africa, we've got a very, uh, very poor rail network. So everything gets transported on the roads. And with the economy really sort of uh, growing the way it was, I mean, the, the transport industry has just flourished. It's got really big. And guys obviously saw 
the need for good quality products. Sandra Fruoff being the, probably the biggest trailer manufacturer in Africa and the manufacturer of some of the best trailers, um, approached us to say, right, well, you know, we got rubber bushes and we're only getting 30,000 Ks. And I mean, when these things fail, it, it wreaks havoc with your suspension. I mean, it, it causes uh, seriously costly damage, which, uh, you know, just for a, for, for a single component, it, it just, uh, you know, they, the guys needed to look for an alternative. The other problem they faced was that when the rubber had failed, you had to melt it out of the out of the suspension. You damaged the paintwork, and then you had to repaint it because obviously your trailers are down near the coastal areas, harbors, that type of thing, and you don't want them then to be become subjected to rust and that type of thing. So then you, they looked at an alternative. We came up with a uh, formulation in the in the labs, and we said, right, let's put it on test. And we ran the product, and they pulled it out of thirty thousand k's when the rubber had failed. Ours was virtually like new. Carried on another 60,000, still good. 90,000, they then said, well, we may well change it now, but it was still good for a while longer. And they said, okay, well, that's, that's good enough for them. Yeah. We said, actually, right, we can, we've actually got another formulation that we can use that will do even better. And that became the OE standard. And that's the bush that runs to 250,000 Ks. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a lot of competition in the marketplace with guys importing cheap, uh, generally injection molded items. Um, it costs the guys in the long run, you know. So to sit and cheapen your product by a couple of rand uh, through putting on a cheap bush, it's going to cost you in the long term and actually affect your reputation. That's what we out there to do is to is to be selling a value-added product to the guys. Yeah, you know, it's part of that buying cycle. You see it all the time now. Sometimes, yeah. and, and especially in good economies now, um, uh, and, and we're not a great economy, but we're certainly a growing economy if you take it sure. over the last 26 years. And... What happens is the guys go through these cycles of they think they can get it for cheaper and then they do it. But then they always yeah. come back to the quality, the tested, the proven. And I think that's part of what we always want to highlight is that South African products and engineering and creativity and, and passion for business is just absolutely incredible. And they provide these awesome, awesome products that we benefit from um, in a day-to-day -day business, especially in the real economy. Yeah. And tell me, so Rob, I, you've now 30 years, you have 1981, you're here still, um, you're growing, um, you definitely got the market looking at local suppliers a lot more seriously, they're starting to see the benefits of cash flow, they don't have to tie them up into containers, they see the uh, benefits of support system locally having the manufacturers that make the product um, so that they can adapt and work with them as the market and the industries grows and change. So you're still here, so you've definitely made some good decisions in your life, but now we would really want to know what has been your worst decision that you think um, and what have you learned Fab if any man you know every day is about making decisions um, and you know we, we sort of term it school fees I suppose you know the bad ones you, you write it off to school fees and uh, there you go and I think it's the bigger the school fees, the easier it is to remember the problem. You know, often we look at, you know, if you sit back over a year and you sit down and you have a look at individual sort of uh, mistakes you've made and you consolidate them all, you have a look and say, wow, you know what, uh, you put a value to all of that and you say, you know, if I added that to my bottom line, things would look very different. <laughs> but, you know, when you have a, a single event or, or, or uh, transaction or something that, uh, has cost you serious money to the to the point where there's quite a few zeros on the back of that number. You then you, it stands out pretty clearly. And I think for me there were there were probably two two uh, two different um, 
transactions, I suppose you could call them, that we that we did that uh, stand out for me. Uh, if you know, you look at these in isolation, they almost seem like completely unrelated items. But actually, when you have a look at them, probably when I tell you what they are, you would be able to 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 pick up the link. I'll tell you quickly now. We obviously explained to you the uh, you know us originating the the suspension pushes for the truck trailer industry, and we held pretty much most of that market. We were known. We were the only guys. We were the first guys to make the product in in South Africa, um, and I actually don't know of anyone else really doing it in the world. But we were the first guys. The product was brilliant. Tried and tested. Everyone bought our product. We had. We, we had most of the market. But as as, as I, I mentioned earlier, you now started getting a lot of guys saying, hey, listen, this, this transport industry is huge. Let's uh, let's spend uh, some money on, um, you know, big injection molding machines, uh, some molds, and let's make bushes, which the guys did. Uh, started flooding the market with these cheap bushes. Uh, injection molding bushes, completely different to to ours, which is a chemical process, but the guys, they look, the end product looks very similar. So we ended up with, with a lot of competition and you started losing guys here and there, but we didn't really worry too much about it because we were still so busy. I mean, it wasn't really something we focused on. You know, a guy bought here and there and, you know, only sometimes after a good few months, you think, gee, you know, these guys haven't bought in a while, but we didn't, it didn't really, didn't really concern us. So what, you know, what we did is we had one of the biggest distributors we had was always, you know, looking at buying massive bulk. And he was, he was, he was a great customer. I mean, he paid cash. He would order, his orders were a million rand a time. Um, and he bought huge volume from us and he was squeezing on price. And we got to a point where it actually had gone quiet for a while. I hadn't seen anything. And given someone like him not buying, it automatically stood out. So I contacted him and he assured us that he was still buying from us not to worry the orders were coming and we waited and waited till eventually actually I found out he was importing the product from China. Um, looked the same, looked reasonable, but the product was grossly inferior, but he was buying it nonetheless. And we, we then said, well, that's fine. You know, they, we could just go to the end users and we'll sell to then his customers because obviously as a distributor, you don't, you don't poach on their customers. It's part of what we, we did. We said, right, well, we'll take a knock on margin with a distributor for the volume. Yeah. And, uh, so we, you know, we did that and, and we didn't really pursue those customers. You know, we sort of phoned people here and there, but didn't really aggressively go out and we yeah. were seeing a drop in the numbers. There was no doubt about it. And then we were approached by a listed German company specializing in, in trucking components. And they said, right, we'd like to become sole distributors of your product. So I said, well, look, Andrew Fruff being my biggest customer, there's no way I would want to give up on that. I said, well, we could look at an exclusivity arrangement. You can take everybody but Hendrick. But I suppose it was, it was almost that excitement of, of, of now having the opportunity to move big volumes again. Yeah. Um, this As company effect, had yeah. networks into Africa. And the guys really talk about sort of how big one email goes out to over 5,000 different companies. And, you know, straight away you start thinking, okay, right, well, this is it. You know what? We've got those. We, we get that all back. One guy's doing it and they're good payers and let's do it. But not enough thought was given to it. Um, ended up with a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dispute between all the big players in the game and, you know, as a result of the sole distribution arrangement. And we, we, we both had to walk away from it because uh, from both sides, there was just too much to lose. So we walked away from it, but we then realized, you know, obviously just, well, I say then, it was a couple of months later, we actually had lost 
a lot of customers as a result of that. Uh, you know, because there was still some time between uh, going live with it and telling mm-hmm. our old customers, look, you've got to go through this new company. Yeah. And and that really, I mean, we, we were talking, I mean, of, of what we lost in probably the first eight months was in excess of 1.7 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had that. Uh, so that was, that was a big thing for us. And, you know, we had a look and said, right, well, you know, what, you know, what, what, what is next? So I thought, okay, well, fine. Another option here is that we've got this old cust, this old distributor of ours that's bringing in this massive volume from China. Let's look at a competitive, a product that we can go in, you know, at a, at a competitive price. Yeah. So I then sat down with the lab technicians. We worked on a formulation, which in the lab was brilliant. But, you know, there's a very big difference between lab tests and and in the field tests. (laughs) And it looked great in the labs. I got fantastic orders, pushed it out. It hadn't been tested other than in the lab, and it didn't work out. And it, again, cost us huge money, huge, huge money. And if you look at the two and you say, right, well, they look like really completely different uh, incidents. You look down, really, what was it? We were needing to grow the market. We were needing to get business back in. And it was almost a desperate attempt to get that business in without actually pursuing proper marketing and a proper marketing strategy and sales strategy, uh, which is really when when, when you sit down and look at it, where, where where I think we went wrong which is why we're sitting down and talking to people like you because you're the man that, uh, uh, you know, has the direction for us on that. Yes, Rob, that was really a beautiful summary at the end, man. Um, it, it's, it's, um, and I'm so happy that you, del- you, de- you, you shared such a deep type of mistake because what is so real, and if you think about it while I was sitting here, I was almost imagining it, you know, that time that you had to capture the market yourself do a route to market uh, yourself, set up the accounts in your business, you know, uh, how much different the business would have perhaps been today, um, yeah. you know, and uh, but now what I'm more excited about that in 2020 under the current landscape is, and this is just a human to human moment, that you still find the courage now to one, recognize it, see it and then do something about it. And I think that's the action that we all need, um, that it's now more than ever the time to not sit back anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you've got to work that much harder. It's really what it is. The work is still out there. The business is out there. You've just got to work harder. Um, I think that there were, yeah, these, these two big mistakes cost us dearly, but they school fees as part of a part of the learning experience. So, you know, it's, it's done. There's nothing I can do about it, but you just got to shoot and make sure you don't repeat that mistake. Yeah. And if you think about this, Rob, between all the mistakes and et cetera, and today you're still there, you know what's one of the biggest things that stands out is, is that if your product is not quality, you know, even if, you're, if your product is the best, it offers that value that people will yeah. find in an imperfect business to still do business with you. Uh, because yeah. if the final product is actually what you, that's how you speak as a factory, you know, it's the final product that you put out. And then you look at what that product does, the value that it adds to the industries in which it serves, you know, that's the real bargain. So now as a factory, which I think is not uncommon, you know, and, and luckily I know that you and Fred aren't too hard with yourself on this. Factories don't always understand the need to ensure that their brand and their product and the availability and 
accessibility to their products and brands need to be there. You can't just sit in the factory, think about you've made the best product the market has ever seen and then hope or wish that somebody would buy yeah. it on the warmth of your factory uh, innovation. Yeah, look, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to do that work. Um, you know, we know that we make the best product. I mean, the guys out there know it, but you know, when, when, when you've got guys that are in a, in a, an environment where, you know, you, you, prices are competitive, the market's flooded, you're looking for savings wherever you can, you've got to be able to educate the guys to the point that they realize the cost implications of going with a cheaper or inferior product. Yeah. Um, you can't stop them. There are guys that are still going to do it, but, mm. um, and you know, there are, there are situations where the guys take them a long time to figure it out. Transport industry is a big one, you know, where you've got where you've got a, a lot of operators out there. Um, you know, the guys, the truck leaves leaves a, a depot and may not come back there for for weeks or months. You know, they yeah. sort of they stop off and there might be a depot in Nelspruit and then they've got one into Botswana and the truck's gone all over, and they're not necessarily tracking the performance of a part. So your part, that part, sort of. Uh, uh, breaks down or becomes problematic. The guy pulls into a repair shop if he if he's not stranded. Pulls yeah. into a repair shop, gets it repaired back on the road, and it's one of their own repair shops. They're not necessarily tracking the performance, but it's only sometimes when the guys are stranded that they have a look back and say, right, you know what, we actually changed over to this product, or we've been using this one, and it's not working. We've got to go back to what we we know to be the best. Uh, Rob, well, well I, I'm so grateful for your time and that you, you, you took some, I got some more insight into you, to be honest. Um, and I just wanted then a call to action as, you know, we will put it into the bio as to exact summaries and sort of products that you can make contact with Rob and the team and us um, and, and find out anything about what we could potentially offer you. But I know this is, this might sound dramatic, but one you work with it's four by fours it's trailers you work with um, even helicopters for that matter you work with um, um, heavy duty um, cash vans and with those all humans are driving it so one i know this is not dramatic when i say that if you don't use the right product in the right places one you literally are playing with human lives number two in, in south africa and africa for that matter it's not the best place to be stranded with a truck and especially if it's got goods next to the road security yeah. is a second concern and then thirdly your product is manufactured with a value system in place so you have got factory people you've got factory workers they've got maintenance people you've got courier companies so it's a very big economic footprint locally and then the final point for me is that the product then offers you a it's a and i'm talking five rand 10 rand type of differences that we're talking in value money here yeah. to have all of those principles and at the same time have an efficient product that gives you a longer usage and physically saves you money when you buy that product locally and from 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 polyflex and them so to me with those characters in mind it's such a it's sort of discourages me sometimes that we still have to punt South African ingenuity and innovation and etc. But we have to. And it's part of what we also in our duty uh, uh, to do so. Yeah. And thank you, Rob, that you can play a role uh, in that for us. We appreciate it so much. No, fantastic, man. Really. You know, and I think that, uh, 
you know, working with you guys is just uh, is such a such an honor. I mean, I think that uh, you guys come with a with a great set of uh, professionalism, expertise, a team that is great, and I really do believe that uh, you know you guys would fill that that big gap that uh, we've got on the on the marketing side. So I think together we partner on this, and uh, it'll 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 make a massive difference to us. Well, thank you, Robin. We bless your business and everybody there and for everybody that supports you and all the customers that's been with you for all these years we truly salute you and thank you for what you've done and um, we hope for and know for a great future uh, for the business Ah, fantastic thank you very much man and i appreciate your efforts there